huge clock around his neck and stuff? No. No? When when was he popular? Public Enemy, like 1990, 1992. I was, I was five. Man. <laughs> you weren't listening to Public Enemy at five years old? Should I have been? <laughs> Absolutely. Would my mother have approved? Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. What do you wish people knew about therapy um, that they don't know? In particular, kind of surprising ways in which therapy can be helpful or useful. Um, I feel like as a therapist, there are a lot of ways that therapy can be helpful beyond what people typically associate it with, which is I'm really anxious and I don't want to be anxious anymore. I'm, mm. I'm depressed. I have Besides traumatic. like the specific kind of the, pathology the, or something. Yeah, the classic. Um, it, it could be a specific pathology, but maybe one people aren't really sure of um, or wouldn't think of normally. But what do you know? What do you think? You got any? No, I, I, I think that's a good one that, that besides kind of um, addressing pathology or, or some kind of specific disorder per se, um, therapy can be really useful for just introducing insights that I think can really be life changing or at least experience kind of changing day to day. I think, I think getting into therapy and, and really it's a chance to really study your thought process and your behavior responses. And sometimes you're not even aware of some of the motives or some of the reactions you have or some of the um, thought processes that you might engage in um, because it's, it's the water you've been swimming in forever, you know, and you don't really know anything different, but to have, you know, a, a process like therapy where you're able to kind of, step out of it or step back from a little bit and analyze it, I think it can be so useful. Hmm. So I, I think about, I had a client who um, I really admire this client for coming into therapy because he did not have any overt diagnosis. He, he, he I mean, like all of us, he had some anxiety and he had periods of depression, maybe kind of mild depression, but no, nothing really super flagrant. Um, but he had struggled his whole life with school. Like school is always just a really big struggle. Um, and the, the key aspect of it was procrastination. Like he just really had a hard time kind of focusing and doing what he needed to do and was constantly putting stuff off and doing, you know, kind of distracting himself with video games and other unimportant things. And then he'd feel badly about the fact that he was procrastinating and wouldn't do well and anyway it was this just long cycle and it'd been going on his whole life he tried all sorts of things everything from getting tutors in different subjects to getting evaluated for learning disabilities um someone suggested that he had adhd at one point and he he tried various medications and none of that really seemed to help so the, the poor guy had been struggling for a long time and he, he'd gone through a lot of his options and he he finally just came to the conclusion that like this is this is a huge problem. I'm sick of it. I don't know what the problem is exactly, but it's got to be somehow psychological in nature. So I'm going to try therapy. And we can talk a little bit more about how that went, but I, I just thought that that's such a great way of thinking through a problem like that. That he 
he had kind of tried different things. Nothing seemed to work. And even though you don't normally associate procrastination with therapy, you know, people hear the word therapy, they think anxiety, depression, PTSD, stuff like that. But he kind of, you know, took a leap and said, I don't know, these people who, who do therapy, they supposedly know something about the mind and the brain. And I'm pretty sure that's going on somehow with my procrastination. So let's see if they can help. And I love that, like, pragmatic approach to therapy. Mm -hmm. Meaning he really knew he was struggling with in these areas, really had a hard time with it, didn't know where to really go and thought, Mm -hmm. well, let's just check inside and see what's going on there. Yeah, I think he had had some inclination that obviously it, it had something to do with, you know, thoughts, feelings, behaviors, you know. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, he thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try therapy. And I think, I think there are a lot of people who, who struggle with things, but they, and they, maybe they consider therapy briefly, but then they think, oh no, like what, this is, it's just procrastination. Like it's not major depression. It's not, you know, an eating disorder. It's not something, it's not something serious. It's not something big enough to warrant going to therapy. Yeah. And I talk to people all the time in therapy who say that. They say like, well, you know, for I, I didn't come in for a decade because I thought like it just wasn't that big a deal. And I thought, you know, therapy's for people who are really sick, you know, um, or whose lives are falling apart or, um, and I, I just think that's so cool that he, he didn't look at it that way. And he just thought like, hey, this is a thing that could help me. So I'm going to try it out. Yeah. I'm like, man, that is that is the right attitude for therapy, I think. Yeah, definitely. That curious kind of, let me keep looking. Let me try something different. Yeah, I have lots of clients who come in in response to a specific, you know, recent event in their life that they just don't know how to really handle or think about. And they just want to kind of bounce some ideas off you. And they just want to kind of explore, like, am I handling this in a healthy way? You know, this is a, an experience or or an environment I've never been in before. So I kind of want to make sure that I'm thinking right about this or I'm responding well. And yeah, I love working with clients like that. I mean, it's really fun to kind of um, get under the hood, so to speak, and kind of make sure everything's running the way it should be running. And, uh, yeah, and, that, and that that's okay. Yeah. Like, therapy's not just for, you know, panic attacks and depression. Like there's more, <laughs> you know, it, it was really funny. I was out, this is years ago. I was out with a cousin of mine and, uh, we were doing some trap shooting, you know, you're shooting these little clay pigeons and my cousin is kind of, I can tell he's looking at me and I'm like, what's he doing? You know, what's going on? And he said, he said, Todd, do you, do you notice your hand trembling? And I kind of looked at my hand and it was just kind of shaking, you know? And I was like, no. And he's like, well, try to hold it still. And I can't, you know? And I'd never noticed this before my entire life, you know, but he noticed it. Um, and so I go to a neurologist, get tested and it's what they call a benign essential tremor. It just happens. doesn't mean anything. doesn't matter. Um, but I never noticed it. Never. But my cousin, someone from the outside was able to say like, that's odd. Maybe you could get that looked at. I think therapy can kind of be that. It's somebody who's on the outside who can kind of look and, and and hear what you're saying and get an understanding of who you are and your history and the patterns and go, hey, did you notice that when this kind of thing comes up, you do this thing? Yeah. And that that doesn't really work a lot, you know? And 
Or do you notice that this might have this impact on other people? You know, it, it doesn't have to be depression, anxiety, any of those things. It can just be a really good study of, from an, you know, using someone who's on the outside, so to speak, who can point those things out to you and give you some insight into how those things might impact you and, or, or just that the pattern's there in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did therapy in grad school myself, um, and I didn't have anything going on, so no like flagrant anxiety or depression or um, anything like that. But I thought, um, so in, in the same year, my last year of grad school, I was writing a dissertation and basically working full-time as a therapist, um, finishing up, getting ready to finish grad school, which had been a major, you know, four-year, six-year, if you include my master's um, endeavor. And so that was coming to an end, huge transition. I was getting ready to start work, my you know my first kind of job, official job as, in this new career as a therapist. Um, and I was getting married, like all within the same three month, you know, kind of like year timelines. Nothing major going on. Oh no, I'm sorry. I got married the year before, and then I was we were expecting my first daughter. So my my I was kind of I actually I think within a 30 day span I was. Turn, defending my dissertation, finishing grad school, starting a new job, moving across the country, and having my first kid. Nothing major going on. Nothing okay. major going on. Got it. Got it. <laughs> I think um, like five of the top five life stressors. Yeah, right. But the thing is, I didn't, I didn't feel especially stressed out, like to the point where I wasn't like getting stuff done and I mm-hmm. was really excruciatingly bad. But I just thought like, wow, a lot is going on right now. Um, and, and at certain times, you just have, kind of have to have your head down with stuff like that. You just got to plow through and finish your dissertation. And um, and I thought it this would probably be a good time to do some therapy. Um, and it was. It was wonderful. I, in addition to helping me kind of get perspective on all these like big changes that were happening, um, it also I I also I always remember coming out of therapy feeling just this like sense of lightness. And it's not that I felt heavy before, but as a, as a result of therapy, I I realized there was this other level of kind of like lightness and and calm that came from, you know, talking about all this stuff that was going on, um, in kind of a, a structured way with someone who, like you said, was really good at, um, pointing out patterns and bigger, bigger kind of trends and kind of helping me zoom in and out of the, the, the minutia and then the bit really big themes. Um, and so that was just, yeah. So, so I think transitions are, any transition is going to be tough, um, on some level. And so if you're in one or maybe even anticipating one, that can be a really good opportunity for therapy. I mean, I think therapy can help a lot with that. And, and it's a great source of just self care. Just give yourself an hour a week to kind of, process link through yeah it can be a really good self-care i think as many as much as i think or i'd like to think i help patients deal with depression anxiety i almost think i'm just as effective at just pointing things out that they'd never considered before you know or some possibility or some it may not directly have to do with the depression or anxiety we might be working on but you know picking up on and just learning a lot about a person um, and learning their patterns, so to speak, um, and just making these observations of like, hey, did you notice that whenever you talk about this thing, 
this is the reaction that you kind of have. And, and, and sometimes those just kind of minor observations have a huge impact in my clients' lives. I wish I could do it all the time more often. <laughs> One of the things, though, um, I wish people knew, um, and, th- and this seems really kind of um, hopefully not braggadocious, but um, I, I wish patients knew pain isn't bad. And, and pain um, can be a really good sign of growth sometimes. But it, it, invariably, it seems like people have this allergy to pain where they, uh, and of course, it's natural. Nobody wants to experience pain. I, I get that. But I think sometimes people lose sight of the fact that growth happens inside of pain a lot. And so if you're constantly running away from pain, you're also running away from opportunities to grow in some ways. And, and good therapy can kind of help you help you do that, help, help you grow along with pain. To learn that there's something under that pain that could be very, very useful to you, you know. Um, a, a lot of patients want to come in and say, take away my anxiety or depression. Tell me, say some, some of the greatest words you can come up with to me to just make this go away. And when you kind of explain to them that the route through this that would be the most advantageous for them is right through the middle of this pain. Sometimes they give you this look like, oh, I don't want to do that. Can you, you know? give me, what, what's an example of that? Um, when, when you have someone with post-traumatic stress disorder and they're avoiding all sorts of things that bring them a ton of fear, they won't go into public places, they won't talk to certain people, they won't go to certain areas of town maybe, and they want to come into therapy and say, can you, can you help me get over this in a way? Can you take away this anxiety that I feel all the time? Can you make it so that I'm not afraid of these things anymore? And you explain that, yes, this is possible, but to do that, we're going to have to expose you to some of these fears that you have, and we're going to have to talk about them in great detail, and we're going to have to... Um, complete homework that will put you into contact, direct contact with some of these things. Um, they, of course, of course, they're terrified in some ways. Or when you have someone with panic disorder and they, they, they tell you that, you know, the first thing that happens is they notice their heart rate increases. And, and then when you explain that, that therapy, really good therapy, will help them learn to tolerate that physical sensation more and we need to expose you to that, they, they look at you like, no, I can't. That's the scariest thing I can think of. You know, you're asking me to do one of the scariest things. Um, and there's this kind of, um, well, they're scared. There's this resistance to that. And I think a lot of people sometimes don't realize that, um, that, that pain is, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. This is where I, I love the comparison of therapists to personal trainers. Cause I feel like this is very, very similar. Like you, a lot of times you, you hire a personal trainer, not because you, you don't basically know kind of what you need to do. <laughs> what this will entail. <laughs> right. Um, you know, you're going to have to be doing X, Y, and Z exercises. You know that it's going to be painful and, uh, and uncomfortable, but there's something about having, um, you know, kind of, a an expert who's, who's very knowledgeable about the technicalities, but also who is, sensitive to like the the human aspects of it the experiential part of it 
And it's someone going through that experience with someone who has both of those technical knowledge and kind of um, that experiential wisdom can really help you get through what you basically know in the back of your mind it has to be a hard experience. Like it's going to be tough right. and it's going to require a lot of effort and maybe even pain to kind of get through it. And I think that's one of the reasons I love being a therapist so much is, is that when it does happen, you know, when, when a, when a client is willing to um, confront and, and experience fear and pain and, and loss and, and really get into there. I mean, it's such an honor to be a part of that and, and to, for them to trust you enough um, to, to be willing to go through that with you, you know, and, and it's such a great thing, but yeah, there's, there's something to, I think the lesson of, of realizing that if it hurts, you probably want to stay right there for a minute and check that out. And, and, and I'm not perfect at this. I mean, things that I suffer with or struggle with, you know, usually there's a moment where I'm like, Oh yeah, I, I know something about this that I should be applying. But it's so reflexive, like to want to avoid that, of course. But I, I wish people knew, like, mm, if if it hurts, sit right there for a minute. What um, What's the most unusual thing you've had someone come to you in therapy saying they want help on? Like, have you ever had something really like out of left field? Someone comes into therapy and says, "You know, I'm, I'm here in therapy because I, I need help doing X." Hmm. Or maybe it was something that. They came in for something initially, but then over the course of the therapy, they said, and actually, maybe there could be, could help me with blank. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had a, I had a client who came in for a phobia, simple phobia, treated it, no problem, went away really too fast, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, later, this uh, client, after we had kind of worked through the phobia and, and they were doing really well, confided in me that they had a... Um, uh, uh, dyspernia or, or, or pain with sex, basically. Um, and and so the the phobia was kind of my test, I think, to see oh. if they could trust me uh, to handle this bigger issue. Um, okay, let's be real clear. When you say it was a test, do you mean they were consciously testing you, or that it was because that kind of is what it sounds like? But I think yes. Okay. I think literally they I, were like they had a fear of of um i think i think it was mice um but the, the the larger issue i think that they were like yeah let's work on this but i think and we even talked about this this was years ago um but we even talked about it and they they were even able to say like oh, oh, okay. i, I kind of needed to yeah to 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 get some trust built up and and to really talk about this other thing yeah 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 and that's I don't know. I think that's totally valid. You oh, know, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had no problem with it. it and, and we had, we talked about it and processed it in a way that it made sense for. I also think too, a common one is people come in with, uh, with a sophobia say, and they gen, they genuinely like, that's something that's really bothering them. They want to work through. But then as a result of a positive experience working through, you know, issue a, they, they reconsider something old that they had sort of deemed off limits that they just couldn't work on, you know, mm -hmm. that they just thought like, well, that it is what it is. Um, and they thought, well, actually this went so well, maybe I can work on this other thing. So a really common one that happens 
to me with in that dynamic sort of is surprisingly um, money issues. So someone will come in um, and again, for a relatively classic thing like some kind of anxiety or depression, um, but then they'll kind of open up and confide about this, what for a lot of people is a pretty sensitive topic of money and finances. And they'll say, I'm, I'm really struggling with this. I have been for a long time. I, I, I get sort of like the procrastination thing. Like I've tried everything under the sun. I, I know there's something kind of psychological or emotional going on. That's, that's causing me to make all these mistakes with my money. Mm-hmm. Do you think you can help me with that? Mm. Now I'm, I'm not an accountant by any means. <laughs> I'm the last person you would want to do your taxes for you. Um, but I can listen to someone talk about how they think about money and what they do with their money and how they feel about money. And I can pick up on more psychological mechanics and dynamics in there and, and point those out and help people see, Oh yeah, this, this emotion that comes up that I wasn't really aware of whenever, you know, the topic of spending money comes up like, yeah, that does seem to be playing a really big role. And I didn't really realize that. So I I think that it, it can also happen. People can kind of stumble on, unusual topics that therapy can help with. So the, the last thing I would note that I wish people knew, um, and I think you've seen this probably before too, is that with depression, anxiety, some of these problems, obsessive compulsive disorder, whatever it is, people are really convinced that it will be, or that it necessarily means their destruction. Um, and I wish, and it can be, I mean, that can be really painful disorders and it can really hamper functioning and um, it, it, can be, it can impact your life significantly. So I don't mean to invalidate that. But if, if you'll notice, like people with anxiety will, will worry about an outcome, you know, for, for hours and hours and days and days and weeks and weeks. And um, what's almost ironic about that is is I've had situations where that outcome comes true and they're okay. They survive it. Does that make sense? What's an example? I had a client who'd experienced significant tragedies and was convinced that one more thing, should one more thing go wrong in her life significantly, she would fall apart, right? go insane, whatever that was. Well, something very significant happened in that person's life. Very significant. In fact, a couple more significant tragedies kind of befell this person, and they survived them. But sometimes those d- the disorder almost operates by convincing you that you can't handle something. And, and you can. You can't handle those things. Um, and it, it's such a valuable lesson, I think, to experience those, those moments where the worst thing comes true and you're still there. You're still able to cope. You're still able to survive it. You're still able to deal. Um, and, and clients tend to really doubt their abilities sometimes um, in, in the face of these potential outcomes, maybe. And, and, and it almost becomes, uh, I use the metaphor of a hologram, you know, that they, they are convinced is real and going to end them. But then once they actually encounter it, it's, it's, it's like a hologram. They're like, oh, 
I can actually deal with this. You know, I can actually respond to this in a, in a way that's functional and effective and, and works, even though it's a horrible thing. Right. I can respond to this tragedy with grace and dignity and, and, and move through this with, with, uh, with pain, but with, um, success. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. I think the idea that, um, a lot of times I think we think about therapy as it's a process to remove a negative. So you're depressed or you're anxious or you, whatever it is, and then you're going to go to therapy and they're going to, you know, give you words of wisdom that make you feel less of that negative thing. But I think usually what happens in therapy, I know this definitely happens with anxiety. The, the You only really overcome significant anxiety in the long run as a side effect of building confidence that you can handle anxiety. And that ironically, you have to be okay with anxiety in order to build the confidence that ultimately allows you to experience less anxiety in the long run. So to, to think of therapy as it's, it's, mo- it's much more constructive and positive, not positive like feel goody, but positive in the sense of what can I add to the way I experience things, to the way I think about things, rather than kind of what can I get rid of. And, and I think good therapy takes that approach a lot of the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for for example, I had a client who really socially phobic, right? Couldn't talk to people. Uh, approaching women was just completely, you know, something that he envisioned would absolutely destroy him. He would not be able to do that. What's more is if they said no to him, if he did approach one and, and he asked them out or asked for a phone number or whatever, it, w- it would be his undoing. He'd be devastated. He'd be oh so my devastated. God. Life would be over, really, you know? He really thought that would be um, devastating. And the first girl, you know, we worked up and practiced and practiced and exposures and got him worked up to the point where he could actually talk to somebody he was interested in and possibly ask for a date. And she outright rejected him. Just outright said, no, I'm not interested in you like that. You know, and he came back to therapy, though, and he was smiling ear to ear. And he's like, I did it, you know, and I'm like, oh, cool. What happened? You know, and he tells the story and he's like, yeah, she said no. And I, I went, oh, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, it was OK. You know, like we still talked, you know, I, I, we were kind of friendly and everything was fine, even though she said no. But from th- in that point, I mean, I mean, a lot of that was up to his ability to process the event that way. But it was really like, and, you know, we talked about this. I said, wow, the worst thing that you could ever imagine just happened to you. And you're okay. And he's like, yeah, not only am I okay, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. And so I'm going to go ask, you know, I'm going to go out and do this more often. You know, it was incredible. And so it's like, oh, you actually get up to the scary monster and realize it's not actually there. Right. Yeah. So that's a, that's a cool thing. That's cool. That's a good one. Hey everyone, Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks.